I am Joan Kubacek. I am 37 years old. I'm from Short Hills, New Jersey, and I, for money, am a pet sitter. I am Ben Dunn. I am 40 years old from Seattle, Washington, and I'm an independent film producer. Ben and I have been together for five and a half years, and we dated less than a year before Ben popped the question. So Joan and I have been married for a little bit over three years. And if I had to describe our relationship, I'd have to say that it's like the later era Taylor Swift love songs. (laughs) Welcome to Our Love Story, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every week, a real couple recounts how they met, how they fell in love, and the biggest moments of their relationship. Now, let's hear their love story. My dating life before I met Ben was very enthusiastic, but I think my picker was a little off. I dated a magician that picked me up at Starbucks. We didn't really have much in common except that, you know, he picked me up at Starbucks and I liked that. Uh, I dated a guy six years younger. He was 21, I was 27. And, you know, when I told him that I loved him, he looked at me like I had grown tentacles because he was 21 and I can't really blame him. And I was very needy. And then I started going to comedy school and I dated a succession of improvisers because they were quick and funny. But I also wanted to change them to be people who adored me and also wanted a long-term relationship. And they didn't necessarily want that and certainly not from a slobberingly needy, please let me be in a relationship with you person like me. My dating life before I met Joan, I was a serial dater. So I went from relationship to relationship, not quickly, like I would always have a few years in between, but they were always very long relationships. I met Joan on my first internet date. I was using an app called Coffee Meets Bagel. Um, The reason I was using that because every other app is just swiping, swiping, swiping. So you don't really stand out. Coffee Mix Bagel makes it so that you could only get one match a day. And I think Joan might have been the first person I matched with. I just liked his face. He looked friendly and kind. And the first thing he said to me wasn't like, show me your feet or would you like to see my bits? I'm trying to be classy. So that was refreshing. Uh, I guess my standards were very low. But he just, he looked like someone I'd want to be friends with, which seemed like a good first step. What drew me to Joan was the fact that she, on our first interaction, asked me to tell her the most terrible joke I could think of. (laughs) And I instantly knew that this was someone that I wanted to get to know better because I love bad jokes. And most of the women that I've been attracted to in the past, while they have a sense of humor, it's not really the bad sense of humor I love. So, okay, this was the joke. I'm ashamed of it, but here it is. A mama mole and a papa mole are going down the mole hole. The mama mole and the papa mole stop suddenly, and the baby mole catches up. What does he smell? Molasses. So my first date with Joan happened actually, I want to say a month after we started communicating. It was a really long time. (laughs) So when I finally did get to go out with her, I picked her up at her friend's house. I took her to a barbecue restaurant. 
without even thinking about the fact that this was a first date and you shouldn't really take a first date to a barbecue restaurant, especially one that's all communal tables. Probably the least romantic first date restaurant idea I've ever had. But she went along with it and she was game. And I knew pretty much right then that I liked this girl a lot. After dinner, we went to a mini golf course that was near the restaurant. I was just trying to think of some way to make it not just like dating and mini golfing. So I said, why don't we try doing truth or dare mini golf, which I made up on the spot, which the rules are pretty simple. The winner of the mini golf hole gets to challenge the person who lost to either tell a truth or do a dare. And Joan being the person that she is after I won the first hole and offered her truth or dare, instead of just going what I thought she was gonna do, which is truth the easy way out, she said dare. And I wasn't prepared for that. So I couldn't, I was flabbergasted. Like I couldn't come up with anything. And she's like, okay, I got this. And bear in mind, this is the first hole of the mini golf course. She decided to whip out her boob as a dare. I think I was very overconfident on our first date. I mean, I'm never confident. I'm a pile of neuroses, but I was pretty sure this guy liked me. So it didn't really strike me as a negative thing to maybe whip out my areola on the first hole because maybe I wouldn't even see this guy again and he'd probably like that areola. It's decent looking. So I, <laughs> I, I just, it was dusk. I didn't think the kids at hole number one would see very much. And his dare was boring. It was like, tell me about your home life or your relationship with your father. And I'm like this, let, let, me, let me show you my boob, kid. I was absolutely floored because <laughs> I won't say that I'm a prude. I've worked many different jobs that have shocking material, but I had never experienced someone who was just so open and free to like, boom, here's my boob. And then I was like, well, where are we going to go from here? Because I'm not going to take my pants off. I better win mini golf here because I know that's coming. The next hole I did win again and she took a dare again. And at that point I was like, well, you know, this lady's pretty uh, free and open. So I dared her to kiss me and she said no, which I took as a very bad sign. And I, I just let it go. We golfed a few more holes. I think she won one or two and we just did truths. And then she came over and she pulled me into our first kiss. Um, I think it was like on the fourth hole and it was great. And then she said the best thing ever. She was like, I just didn't want our first kiss to be on a dare. I mean, talk about the perfect movie line. It was great. The most memorable date I had with Ben had to have been when he took me to Las Vegas. Ben took me to Vegas and it was very exciting because it was our first, it wasn't our first trip together, but it was our first trip as like a sexy trip. Vegas is sexy and we were going to go to shows and we were going to drink and have good food. We got to the suite and I think I knew vaguely that he had managed to upgrade it. And we opened the door and there's rose petals from the door to the bed. There's a heart made out of rose petals on the bed. There's rose petals lining a a deep bathtub and little candles around the bathtub. Nobody has ever done anything like this for me. The last guy I dated for my birthday, he gave me 
an IHOP gift card. So this was a big deal. <laughs> the reason that I did these kind of things at the beginning is because Joan was very upfront that she had never really been romanced before. And like, I felt that that was a travesty. One of our biggest fights was I wanted attention and he was playing video games. And so I decided a good way to get attention was to stick my big toe in his eye. And I guess I thought this was really cute. And he said, stop it. And he sounded a little whiny, but I think if someone shoved their digit in my eye, I would also be annoyed. And I just got really hurt. I can't really explain myself because if somebody told me the story, I would say, you're a brat, at least in my head. But I got really upset and I said, that's the tone of voice my father uses when he's admonishing me and I don't like it. And I I think you should sleep at your apartment tonight. And I got all mad and, you know, I think I cried and there was uh, histrionics. And again, this is like talking about somebody else because I can't imagine the kind of person Like, I certainly wouldn't marry this person who shoved toes in people's eyes and then kicked them out of their house. But but there we are. I mean, the reason I consider that fight the most pivotal in our relationship, like any couple, we've had a bunch. But that probably was the first time, not the getting kicked out, but like I thought it was over. I'm a fatalist when it comes to relationships. For me, when someone fights the relationship is done. That's kind of how it was always with my other relationships. We always were very calm sailing except for one big fight, and then it was done. With Joan, however, so we had this fight. I went home. I thought it was done, but I also wanted to fight for this because I really liked this person. So the next day in the morning, really early, because I didn't sleep that much, I had a key to her place. I actually came back. I had bought her Eggo waffles and her favorite flowers. And I put the Eggo waffles in her freezer and I put the flowers on her table and I left because I didn't want to like freak her out for being inside her place, even though I realized that it probably freaked her out to come downstairs to things being there that wasn't there before. But she called me later that day. You know, she thanked me for the flowers and for the Eggos and she wanted me to come over. And I realized that like, this is a person that we can actually fight and it's not the end of the world. And that was a big thing for me. When I decided that I wanted to marry Joan, I came up with all of these big ideas for proposals and months went by and I'm sitting on it. And I decide I really just want to propose to her. It doesn't have to be big. We had just gotten our puppy and we had some friends over to meet the puppy and do a game night. And I figured these are our best friends in the world. I'm going to propose here. And as the night went on, I had the ring in my pocket and I'm sweating and I'm nervous and I'm going to do it. And then I didn't do it. And people started leaving and I didn't do it. And everyone left. And I'm sitting on the couch with her afterwards. And she looks me in the eyes and she's like, are you okay? And I said, yeah. She's like, is there something wrong? And like, I must have been looked stricken. And like, I started to cry and I slipped off the couch in the most ungraceful way possible and got onto one knee. And I said, no, I just want you to marry me. And I brought out the ring and I showed it to her. And who knows why, but she said yes. 
We were on the couch and I just thought with all the people there that maybe I was extra socially awkward because I can do that or said too much about, say, my areolas. I do that. <laughs> and then he started to cry and I thought, oh, oh no, he has cancer. He, he, something, he's got a disease. What is happening? <laughs> so the last thing on my mind was that he was about to propose. First, I thought I blew it. And then second, I thought he was dying. <laughs> so... <laughs> The proposal was almost, it was just a relief. No one's dying, and I did okay at the party. <laughs> the wedding was at this ranch in Moore Park, California? That sounds right. It was really beautiful. Ben has a lot of friends, and I have some friends, but with Ben's many friends, we could fill the 150-person count that they demanded we have in order to fill the venue. So the venue was just great. The lady helping us was great. We just loved it. But on the date of the wedding, it was the hottest day of the year, I think. It, it broke 100, and then it usually cools off at night. And it just it just didn't. <laughs> so everyone was dripping. They were trying to do like the cha-cha slide. The DJ was trying to get everyone going. And everybody just just smelled like feet. But it was still a great time. Our honeymoon we decided that we wanted to go to as many eye countries as possible in the dead of winter. So we had chosen, just because we were unlimited funds, Iceland and Ireland. And then for Christmas itself, we drove into the middle of nowhere. I can't even remember the town's name. It was very small to see the Northern Lights because there's a hotel that was known for seeing the Northern Lights. And of course that happened during a huge blizzard that year. So there was no Northern Lights. But I did get to watch Joan run from our room to the hot tub outside in, I want to say it was negative degree weather. <laughs> and that was beautiful. And then after doing Iceland, we went to Ireland and drove all around uh, Southern Ireland. Ended up in this town of Dingle for New Year's because Joan had read about this little town and how they had the best hotel and it was just really fun and folksy. We didn't know that this was like the folk music capital of Ireland is Dingle near the Cliffs of Moher. And that night we just went downstairs to the hotel bar and it was just packed with session musicians playing. And it was one of the most perfect evenings, um, even though the drummer for the band was trying to pick up on my wife. And I probably was going to let him do it because he was very talented. But, you know, luckily she was in her right mind. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the honeymoon was amazing. I love Iceland. There's a genitalia museum where like a, a whale, whale genitals are in a jar in liquid. There's also lots of beautiful things and architecture. And this is the thing that's sticking to mind is the, the genital museum. But that was fabulous. I would recommend that to anyone. <laughs> Ireland was beautiful. I got the flu in Ireland and um, had so many medications in my bag on the way home that an Irish sniffing dog pulled me aside because they thought I was running drugs. But it, it was just cold medicine. It was a good time. <laughs> I had a good time. What I love most about Ben is also something that I rag him about all the time, which is that he starts every story with like my best friend, Dan, or my favorite middle school teacher who I'm having a beer with, Mrs. McFarland. And I'm like, how, how do you keep these people in your lives? I have like five good friends 
and a bunch of acquaintances. And he it's just like everybody he ever meets is his good friend X. But it's kind of true. I reached out to people for his 40th birthday just to get a scrapbook together and have a bunch of people just write a nice thought about Ben so that I could present this book to Ben on his birthday. And everybody and their mother got back to me with paragraph after paragraph about how he helped them get a job or how he helped them during a tough time or how they only knew Ben for a little bit of time, but how he really stuck with them as somebody supportive and great that they look up to. And it, it's both disgusting and my favorite thing about him. And I, I love his warmth and how he is so willing to help you with anything and how you could be out of his life for 10 years and he will still think of you warmly and help you out if you you reach out to him. And I get I get all of that being his wife and I'm not sure I deserve it because mostly I just sit here and ask him to feed me grapes, but I guess there's some I have something going for me because he's still here, but he's he's just the warmest, sweetest guy and he's also funny, so it's not too disgusting that he's so nice. As much as Joan puts herself down, it's all an act. She might not have the breadth of people that I know, but like she's more of a quality friend group rather than a quantity. The people that she cares about, she cares about deeply and she will protect and she will defend to her last breath. And that's something that I admire in anybody, but especially just her and she just cares so deeply about things one of the things that i love most about her is that and the fact that she also is an extremely gifted gift giver because she listens to people and it's not just like she gives me great gifts like she comes up with things the perfect example is that scrapbook that she talked about I turned 40 in 2020, which is the worst year to have a landmark birthday, but she somehow made it special. That's what she does. She makes people feel special. She's just naturally that way. What I'm most excited about when I think of our future together is just being able to go on more of these adventures like Iceland and Ireland. And even just being able to watch her grow as a person, as a performer, and know that I have this partner that'll have my back for hopefully the rest of my life. I want to see the kind of guy he becomes as he gets older, because already I'm seeing shreds of, you know, music in my day was so much better than this crap. And, you know, we had Flagpole Sitter and Harvey Danger. And now what is this? And it's just so great and funny. And I, I just want another 50 years of that to see what else from our youth becomes really good, <laughs> even though it was terrible. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our love story. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and on Twitter at Parcast Network. Our love story is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by John Cohen. Sound designed by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Mike Ramos. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro. 
It's produced by John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and associate produced by Alex Trigwadotter. 